0: This is Bill with another edition of What Makes Sense. If you've been following our podcast, you know that I've just concluded a long series on worldview. So it seemed like a good idea to kind of go back to something that's kind of in the heart of how a worldview gets established. My daughter Gretchen is involved in homeschooling. She's written curriculum and she runs a homeschool co-op and is a actually began uh, her uh, professional life as a public school teacher so she's seen both, both sides now. Uh, she's seen how the government wants to educate people and how education can be done by families and by homeschool co-ops and um, this is really where worldview begins. It's where um, I believe regardless of your perspective The family is where all education begins. It's where children learn at their very earliest age, this mysterious thing of learning how to speak, for example. Uh, They learn without a professional teacher. They learn just by observing. And the truth is that children are little learning machines. It's hard to stop them from learning. And homeschooling or or learning at home is the ideal way for that very early impetus to learning to continue into what we consider K through 12 education which is a relatively modern phenomenon. It isn't something that existed oh, much more than a hundred years ago. So I wanted to go into this little talk about uh, school and education. It's with my daughter Gretchen and uh, I did a little interview of with her on the phone at the time, she was thinking of starting a new podcast about about uh, schooling, and since then she's decided to set the podcast aside and go in a slightly different direction with her um, homeschool profession. So I grabbed that um, podcast so it doesn't go to waste, and it's got lots of good information in it. We got to talk about the societal impact of schooling. Let's go with the conversation.
1: On today's episode of the Relational Homeschool Podcast, we are going to be talking about the public schools and their effect on society and the family unit. And today, your host is Gretchen Peters, and I am going to introduce you to Bill Mundhausen. And he is my dad. And he is also someone who is very into worldview studies. He's written a book on that. Uh, he leads a radio station, and he's done a lot of other great things. So, uh, nice to see you, Bill.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can't actually see you. It's radio.
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> or it's a oh. podcast, you know? <laughs> well, we, should we, I start over then? <laughs> no, we,
0: we we tried that seeing th- seeing you before on Zoom and all this yeah. stuff, and that didn't work out very well. So
1: Yeah, that is true.
0: We'll stick with voice.
1: Okay. Okay, so... Yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit about public schools. Mm -hmm. It's going
0: to be kind of a hatchet job. uh, Public school's bad.
1: (laughs) Well, what is your view on the public school system?
0: Well, when I was a boy, public schools were okay. Um, I went to a small town public school in Red Hook, New York, and um, we had a graduating class of around 70. We never heard of anything about the federal government or government grants or anything. Everything was pretty much done right there in our little school. And it was very community-oriented and friendly and not very controversial at all. So it used to be great, but I think everything has changed over the decades since then.
1: So what year did you graduate?
0: I graduated in 1967.
1: Okay, and so then raising your own children, Hmm. how did you see that change?
0: You know, early on, we never really thought much about it. Um, As you know, you and Rebecca Mm -hmm. went to public school. We were aware, we we did know that public school was starting to get to be bad, and uh, I think out in California, you went to a charter school for a while, which was one that kind of required parents to be more involved. Yes. Yeah, so
1: we start. We start.
0: Yeah, we started seeing a change, and but even then, public school was still pretty manageable, even in California.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I think my my feelings on public school were different. (laughs) Okay. Because even then, so in the late nineteen eighties or nineteen nineties, I found school to be so stressful. I felt like. The way they did it was just very factory-like, very large classrooms, not a lot of personal touch. Um,
0: I, th- I think the feeling—I think the feeling of a kid in school is you have no control over everything.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: you're being herded from one place to another, and if you want to go to the bathroom, you have to raise your hand and get permission, and you have to hurry up and get back. And it's just uh, very much like a priv- prison kind of a scenario, like you said, a factory.
1: Yes, it didn't feel very much like it was geared towards the individual and bringing them up to have skills in their specific things. It just felt very factory-like.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that.
1: So so I already was uh, seeing a problem for myself as a child because I also had a lot of stress and anxiety. I was very much performance-based and cared what my teachers thought and what my schoolmates thought, but it just stressed me out. Mm-hmm. And so... I saw it from that part of thinking, this is not healthy.
0: It was always that way in terms of kids being in school and not not having any control over things and being kind of shepherded around and made to do stuff. So that was always true. What what really changed in America, I remember I had a social studies teacher. His name was Jack Campisi. He was a very smart guy, and he said, you know, that was in the middle of the Cold War with the Soviet Union. And he said the difference between American schools is we give you the skills so you can learn on your own, so that you can be a lifelong learner. We, we let you know how, how reading and writing and arithmetic works and then you can go out and figure things out on your own. In the Soviet Union, in the communist system, they tell you what to think. You're not allowed to know certain things. And that has become true in America since the Soviet Union collapsed America's socialists and communists and progressives have infiltrated the school systems, and they realize they can change the future if they change the minds of all the kids that go to school. So they very much regiment what you are allowed to know. You don't get to learn about the Bible. You don't get to learn about creation. You don't get to learn a lot of things because the school doesn't allow you to.
1: Well, and even the concept of, of how they test Which so I'll go on for just a second that I became a teacher and learned a lot about testing and how much they were trying to do with No Child Left Behind. And with those kinds of things that it was all just learning something for a test or that memorization type learning a lot less than thought processes and really um, learning how to think.
0: Yeah, I, I remember when, we were, when you were homeschooling, you kind of ran your own thing as a homeschool kid. You just tried to get through the lessons to mm-hmm. learn, learn the information you had to spit out on a test, because that's the way school works.
1: Yeah, so, so I started homeschooling in high school right. because I was sick of the school system. And yes, yeah, so that's exactly that's what I had learned to do. So when I got these books that I could just go through on my, at my own speed... It was still not to learn it, it was to get it done. Yes,
0: (laughs) Yes, I get it. I understand completely. And that's the, you know, the people who invented the testing did it for a good reason. They wanted to be able to evaluate whether they were teaching well. But the end result Mm -hmm. of it isn't so good. It just gets kids in the mode of trying to beat the test. And if they forget everything they learned two weeks later, it's okay, because they beat the test.
1: Yes, so that I also wonder how that has affected students with uh, some of that, their goals for life, if that's brought them into that place as adults, then too, of of everything being kind of instant gratification. Like I'll do a quick project, but I wouldn't want to do something that takes a long time.
0: Yeah, I bet. And I I bet it also interferes with the whole concept of learning because uh, you can kind of see that in the internet now. What's the point of learning anything if you can just look it up quickly? So I think all everything has conspired to make learning seem superfluous. You could, you could learn, fast, you learn enough to pass the test, but you don't have to retain the knowledge. You certainly don't have to build on the knowledge. And now you don't even have to have knowledge because you can just look it up electronically. And if the technologists have their way, they'll, they'll put implants in our brains and we can look it up without even thinking about looking it up.
1: Well, yes. I my oldest daughter just uh, took some college classes, and she no longer really had to research anything. Mm-hmm. Everything was either given to her in the curriculum, basically, or she could just go to the internet real fast. And I felt like by not having to actually dig and think and work on it, it was. It, I, I don't feel like it really helped her brain or helped her to...
0: It doesn't help you retain. Uh, having having to work at gaining knowledge really helps you retain it. Mm-hmm. And even more so if you have to explain it to somebody else, it helps you retain it even more. If you can just look it up and copy-paste it, it doesn't do anything.
1: Yes, and, and I think our public schools are continuing to be more and more based on test-taking. Also, I think a lot of this now being in front of tablets, so they're losing more and more of the So how how do you see the public schools affecting society right now? I know you mentioned socialism a little bit.
0: So much of what's happening in school now is shaping the psychology of the kids, not their knowledge. It's not reading and writing and arithmetic or teaching skills. They're trying to convince people, well, you know, you can see it in the whole gender thing, where they're trying to get kids to question what gender they are and use the appropriate pronouns and all kinds of social engineering things that have nothing to do with a good education, but have a lot to do with a thorough indoctrination. I think that's the big thing that's happening in schools now, they're no longer educating.
1: Well, I think that started, I don't know, 20, 20, probably longer, 30 years ago with like some of the sex ed stuff getting into schools in the first place because mm-hmm. before that line it really was that you went to school for this knowledge of reading, writing, math and then all of a sudden it was like well we're starting to take over parental stuff the parents aren't going to handle all of this that so the school needs to.
0: There's kind of like good indoctrination and bad indoctrination. It used to be that schools had a certain obligation to teach you to love your country. There was a lot of patriotism in schools, and it was a healthy patriotism because it made people want their country to be better. And now the schools are teaching that America is basically racist and evil, and I think kids or young people probably look for ways for it to be racist and evil instead of looking for ways to make society better. So there's there's all kinds of things that are affecting way young people are growing up and what their attitudes are and I think a lot of it is deliberate engineering. I think the Mm -hmm. progressives and socialists and the elites in charge want um, their philosophy to prevail and they they see public school as an easy way to make that happen by taking kids at a very early age and think of it parents basically abdicate their responsibility Instead of mm-hmm. keeping their kids at home and teaching them, they send them off to a, a factory school for the school to teach them. And it used to be okay to do that when the factory school was on your side. I'm not so sure that they're on our side anymore.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I, you definitely sent us to school when we were young. So mm-hmm. in your mind at the time, you still felt like, well, this is what we do. And Yeah,
0: it, if you remember, though uh i remember a lot of times where we would kind of just help you with the homework and then discuss mm-hmm. what the homework says and maybe try to correct what was being taught so yes we were probably pretty involved in your education even when you were in public school
1: so i i've told people this that i feel like you homeschooled me after school <laughs> each day because honestly there was a lot of stuff because of the big classroom because I have so much stimuli i struggle a little bit with adhd type stuff that i felt like more of my knowledge still came from you guys because i came home and you helped explain it one-on-one and it's faster and easier to learn that way
0: yeah and we, yeah we did what teachers ought to do but teachers at that time with big classrooms didn't have time to do it
1: yes and when i started teaching public school i noticed in my classroom that I could teach all of the students but the ones who went home and had those families that really poured into them those were the kids that were excelling sure they came back and the ones that didn't have any help were the ones that struggled in school Hmm. so even at the end of the day for me as a teacher I recognized I have these kids for so many hours a day and yet the parent influence is that important
0: yeah don't you think there's kind of a conflict um between teachers and parents. I, I know some teachers complain about the parents, that the parents mm-hmm. aren't involved enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, I think the teachers probably then take it upon themselves to try to, in a sense, take over the role of parents because they just assume the parents are gonna, aren't going are gonna be involved. And that's certainly somewhere some of the conflict comes from.
1: I think there's an, uh, because the classroom is a mixed, grouping of students where you have some students with parents involved and some with parents that are not involved i think you lean towards having to try to make it even for the ones that don't have the parents helping Uh so you kind of start tending towards that well i'm just going to assume that i'm not going to get messages back from all the parents or i'm going to assume that and so i think that a lot of the times the teachers do kind of feel that way i do think they try or at least A good percentage, I hope, do because of parent-teacher conferences and some of that stuff. But I definitely do think you're right that there is some kind of a divide there between the because, in some ways, the teacher probably assumes, "Well, I have them this many hours of the day, I should be the lead focus here," Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know. Yeah. But
0: it has unintended unintended consequences because the really excelling kids probably feel bored because the teacher, mm-hmm. by necessity, has to aim at the lower half. You probably actually bring down the kids who could do even more because you're never really challenging them.
1: I, I've definitely seen it both ways, I've definitely seen that. Mm-hmm. And then I've also seen the other ones that are bored too because if, if they're not into learning then they're kind of just sitting there wasting time. So it it's it's hard to teach a a large group of people (laughs) yeah
0: very much so yeah but you know then you'd have to have more more teachers and you'd have Mm -hmm. to have more cost in order to have the smaller classrooms so that just doesn't work out either yeah especially especially now with the rise of the um the administrative class again when i was a kid there were almost no administrators Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a, a school principal and uh, a couple of secretarial types and yes. maybe a guidance counselor, and that was it.
1: Yes, I think the schools have changed a lot. I was looking at a classroom recently and looking at the government money given to that class, and the class was over $250,000 a year to run that one classroom. Wow. If you divided out the amount of money that they give per student, it came to 250000 for that classroom. Well, I think that so teacher a must be ago, rich, right? <laughs> <laughs> the thing? I know everyone's like, the teachers don't get paid enough. <laughs> yeah, if someone is taking the money because the teachers are not all getting that. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think we all of a sudden have come to this conclusion too we need to pour it into technology and into sports and into special teachers and into counselors and into all these different roles. So you're like, well, yeah, that $250 just disappeared when you started paying. 10 people <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. and whereas before that if it was one teacher like it used to be it's 250,000 she has plenty of money first stuff to buy all the pencils and scissors and everything she needs for that classroom and
0: well as, as far as I know the school used to buy that stuff when I was a kid mm-hmm. I, I don't remember the teacher ever having to expend his or her own money to, for stuff
1: well, well, that 250000 is for that classroom, so yes, you would think that they would just have already purchased those things for her,
0: yeah.
1: uh, and, and the classroom would be equipped and ready to go.
0: So, well, well, I'm sure my classroom back in the 1960s wasn't bringing in $250,000. Probably not. But we didn't have, have uh, Chromebooks and electronic uh, blackboards and all that kind of stuff either. And we didn't have all of those, um, I don't even know what all the administrators do. It's kind of hard to fathom. But we certainly didn't have them hanging around. And we didn't have all the federal money and, and all of that kind of stuff taking place either.
1: Well, I think there are so many things that in our schools even, we used to have neighborhood schools so that it was close for everyone. And most of the schools went pretty much from kindergarten up to 12th grade. Mm-hmm. we now divide it out too so that there's a high school and a junior high and upper elementary and lower elementary and i think by dividing it up that's even caused this thing where we make the schools very large and i guess they're thinking that helps with building costs maybe but i think it makes it where there has to be more administration
0: it would almost be better if um if they had all of those divided schools, but they put them geographically separate from one another instead of on the same campus?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because it's kind of like I, you know, as you know, the uh, place we're at here is just down the street from Camdenton an R3. And when school lets out, it just jams up the whole highway. It's right on the edge of town, mm-hmm. and there's only one way in and out. And if, well, those, if those different little schools were in different parts of town... Yes. That, that would kind of help the whole traffic problem. But also, if they wanted them to just be separate anyway, they might as well make them really separate.
1: Well, I know this is not the problem everywhere, but I actually did go to that school. And some of the kids rode the bus for over an hour to get to that school.
0: Oh yeah, sure.
1: So again, that's a mass school. Is that really the wisest choice? Because we also have a lot of bullying going on in schools. We mm-hmm. have school shootings. But we're building these schools. Actually, there's one near us that it looks like a prison. (laughs) I'm (laughs) like, who designed this thing? Uh Whereas, so when I'm going to the neighborhood school idea, it's much more of like a little family. And so it's like, oh look, there's a school right down the road. It's going to take me five minutes to get there, and it's neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. I'm going to know these people. These are my neighbors. Whereas Mm -hmm. now, I mean, if you're driving an hour to school. Uh, it's probably not going to be quite like that.
0: Mhm. Yep, yep. For, for sure.
1: And large sums of kids might not be the wisest thing for mental health and for some of those other issues that we're seeing in society right now.
0: Yeah, if, they, if it was a small neighborhood school with all the families living right around it and you never know whose dad or mom is going to come in at any time, it mm-hmm. makes people more, more accountable.
1: Yes. So, so yes, I think that, so, so my next question is, how are schools affecting the family? How do you think that our school systems are influencing the family unit?
0: Certainly it's always had the effect of separating kids from family. And that has a lot of implications because families, I talk to a lot of, everybody's different, but a certain number of parents I took talk to don't feel like education is their responsibility at all. Their kids go to a public school and those are professionals and they're supposed to teach them everything. So the, the parents just kind of keep hands off. don't get involved mm-hmm. in, even a little bit. And then when you take your kids to church, the churches do something similar. As soon as you get a, get through the announcements, you dismiss the kids for uh, Christian for what do you call Sunday school and they're mm-hmm. all separated from the parents again. And again, the parents don't see, feel any responsibility to teach their children about uh, God and Jesus. There are some people in Sunday school who can teach them that. So I think it makes just for a very lax family atmosphere and not a lot of, not a lot of unity in it,
1: mm-hmm.
0: kind of constant division. And I think, oh, yeah. I think the roots of that is the school system or schooling in general. Mm-hmm. education wasn't meant to be done by schools, it was meant to be done by families
1: I I have a friend that she would homeschool her kids for the majority of the school year and then she actually would put her kids into public school for the last month of school that the last month of school is, is kind of fun a lot of the times they're done with a lot of their testing
0: oh yeah, <laughs> so I, I, I do remember that from my <laughs> days in school, it was great it, yes. everybody was looking forward just to summer vacation and There was no more any stress or anything it was just a good social time
1: yeah well i remember as a teacher we just all felt done (laughs) Uh we felt done the kids felt done nobody wanted so yes (laughs) so you have to fill the time with fun things and so she found that it was a way for her to uh, get them into the community in that way it gave her a little bit of a break Uh, but at the end of the month her kids would come back and they would say wow we feel so disconnected as a family from our siblings we feel so different, we are glad we homeschool. Oh, uh, because mm-hmm. they noticed it. They noticed we've been so busy at school that we changed. And yep. in that little month period, they would notice it. Hmm. And so, so my family, we ended up homeschooling. We knew that before I even went into being a public school teacher. I knew I was going to homeschool uh, because of my childhood background on education and then switching to homeschooling in high school. I just knew that that was what I wanted. And I feel like there's there's no perfect thing because I see errors and issues that occur in homeschool families too. Mm-hmm. But that there is a huge difference in the fact that you can move at this slower pace, that you can change things um, to be a family unit and you can make different choices based off of having your kids home to educate them.
0: So that was my conversation with my daughter Gretchen about schooling. As you can tell, we are both critics of public education, but we come at it from very different directions. I look at public school philosophically because I took to heart what my public school social studies teacher told me decades ago. Communists tell their students what to think. American schools convey knowledge to prepare citizens to think independently. What I have seen in recent years is a change in public education to emulate the communist model, especially in the social sciences. Students are encouraged to accept sexual mores, historical interpretations and religious perspectives that are different from their parents. Teachers are encouraged by radicalized university professors to use education to advance students beyond what they consider the narrow-minded worldview of the older generation progressives advance their particular view of progress, and that is the modern public school. Gretchen's problem with the school was more personal. She felt stress from schooling's manipulative practices. I often like the regimentation of schools to a prison environment. Kids are shipped in by bus and herded between classes all day with little time to themselves. It's a system of rules and tests and schedules that some kids just don't handle well. It's really just a more personal and emotional way of looking at the manipulative methods of schooling. You may be thinking, school wasn't that bad. And you're right. Most children assimilate by instinctively cooperating with the system. They learn to give the teacher the answer he or she wants, even if it conflicts with what they are taught at home. They unknowingly adopt the socio-political ideals of the school culture. And some even roll their eyes at their parents' old-fashioned ideas. Spending more time at school than with their own family, it's not surprising that the school has a powerful parenting influence on kids. But the student doesn't feel the hurt. It's the parents who see the adverse influence as their children gradually drift away from family values. American public schools have an intrinsic vulnerability to the indoctrination mentality caused by their connection with a government system that is designed to eliminate bias. Officials in government do not want to favor any one religion, so they opt for secularism. What they fail to realize is that even secularism has religious aspects. If you teach that the universe came about by natural processes, You are implicitly teaching that the universe was not created by God. There is no neutral position regarding religion. But I don't want to leave this episode as merely a statement of public school problems. You want solutions, and there are several. If you are a Christian, Jewish, or Muslim, or just concerned about public school indoctrination, remove your children from the public school system. Support a form of school choice that diverts public funds back to families so they can send their children to the school of their choice outside of government control. Support candidates for school board who run on a platform of reform to return more control to parents instead of the administrators. Young people must infiltrate the system by becoming teachers, administrators, curriculum writers, and university professors, while also maintaining their faith in God. It will be difficult because leaders in the education field are predominantly secular humanists who will resist godly ideas and influences. It took decades to instill the current bias in our schools, so don't let discouragement stop you. Thanks for joining us today. Until next time, go out and do good.